0: This is the Amazing Education Podcast. Powered by the Ames Community School District, I'm your host, Eric Smith. On today's episode, we are joined by Aaron Miller, Director of Teaching and Learning for Ames Schools. We're going to have an amazing conversation about the curriculum review process how the pandemic has interrupted learning in the classroom, and how to keep equity at the center of decision-making. Aaron Miller, thank you for being on this episode of the Amazing Education Podcast. How are you today?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: We are, what, two weeks from school? Less? Less than two weeks? We are. We are. Oh, where does the (laughs) summer go? Uh, well, first I want to say congratulations, you are not new to Ames, but you are new to being the Director of Teaching and Learning for our school district. How is it feeling?
1: I'm so excited. This is a role I've always been really interested in. I've worked in the curriculum department before, yeah. um, and it's just such a, an amazing opportunity to come back and be able to serve our teachers and our buildings in this way.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, and I said it, but you know, you're a familiar face in Ames. You were the Associate Principal at our middle school just the last last couple years. And so this is really exciting. And honestly, as I started preparing for this episode of the podcast, I kind of chuckled to myself because we haven't had the director of teaching and learning on our podcast yet. And yet we are an institution of teaching and learning. So (laughs) this is long overdue. So what happens out of your office? like what do you do on like how are you preparing for this school year and then what can we expect as we move into the school year
1: yeah that's a great question really the primary role of the office of teaching and learning is to support teachers as they do amazing things with our students Um, we do that in a few different ways this time of year um, our office really heavily supports new teacher orientation um, and we support teacher leaders so uh, just the last two days we've had our teacher leader retreat with our coordinators who work um, with various departments across the district so we really took some time to get to know each other as a team Um, we have some new faces there too and to figure out um, what are the things that our teachers need and how can we help support them um, as we enter into this school year uh, tomorrow, I'm working with our learning leads. So they used to be our instructional coaches. Yeah. And so we're going to uh, kind of kick off the year and talk about how can we best support in buildings uh, the teachers and the great work they're doing with students. Um, and then next week, we have new teacher orientation. So we have, we're getting close to 50 new teachers yeah. who are going to join us. And we are really excited to yeah. work with them. And then the mentor teachers, of course, are amazing. They come to new teacher orientation and they support um, and help our new teachers um, get ready to welcome The kids, which is like you said, the week after that. So, this is one of our busiest times of year. Um, Of course, as we go, we have um, curriculum reviews. So, um, we're going to get to that. Okay. Yeah. We help different (laughs) departments um, with different things. We um, help support um, different, uh, together with Dr. Anthony Jones, we'll help support different um, student programming things. So, like our um, ELP programs, our ALP programs, different, our EL programs, different special. And I know I just threw a bunch of acronyms out there. There so we can talk about those. We
0: may have to dissect <laughs> some of those and maybe that'll be a different podcast. Yeah, I don't yeah know. we can talk
1: about all of our programming. Um, and then we also support, like I kind of mentioned, the teacher leaders. So that is ongoing throughout the year as yeah. well. Um, and we have some kind of exciting things going on. Yeah with those things. um, We also do the assessments for the district. So we get to help um, with the data and assessments and that drives a lot of our program reviews, Mm -hmm. especially around our curriculum reviews. What's working, what's not serving our students well, um and how can we make changes?
0: And so we're probably what about a, a quarter of the way through the list of what your department does <laughs> through all of that? Or... I do I do
1: have quite a list, <laughs> yes, going on.
0: Uh some of my um friends who are not in the field of education, you know, they very innocently oftentimes ask, you know, it's like, well what like what's happening like during the summer? Like, you know, do you get time off? Is it, you know, kind of slow? And I do say Yes, it is an opportunity to get some time off in a way because, you know, our buildings aren't open, but it is certainly not slow. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, the ramp up to school is honestly probably one of the busiest times um, for us, at least in, in this district office. And then obviously, you know, we get the energy back into our buildings. And But this is a great opportunity to capitalize, you know, like you said, connecting um, with mentor teachers and new teacher. So, maybe this is maybe this is an opportunity a little sneak peek if we do have a new teacher starting next week, like I don't want to be a spoiler here, but like what can they expect? Like what's gonna happen next week for our new teachers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So we have three days um, for them, and it's kind of like a crash course, and what does it mean to be a teacher in Ames? Yeah. Um, half of each day is actually spent in the buildings. Because oh, good. we know what they want is yeah. really to get ready for their kids. They have kids come in in, the, in a week, and yeah. they maybe haven't set up their classroom yet, or they have a bunch of uh, maybe questions about, hey, what am I gonna teach, or how am I gonna teach it? Yeah. I will say our teachers do a great job of welcoming Their new colleagues even over the summer like you said like hey here are some some pieces that we do or or come join our team meeting that we're having so there's lots of that work that's probably already started uh, but we know how important it is for them to connect with their mentors and have space in the buildings and to work with their building principals um in the morning so the first day is a little bit more um of like a hey this is this is who we are dr Mm -hmm. vincent um we'll welcome them actually we do a bus tour so they get to our community and get out in the community that's really cool yeah and i think we'll be able to do it again last year obviously um our COVID protocols were a little tighter but we'll wear masks and have the windows open on the bus so i think we'll be able to do that um, and then we will have, um, you know, they get their computers, then they, they get to meet our human resources department. Oh. Um, probably they'll get their picture taken and <laughs> <They will. laughs> um, solve <all> those things. <laughs> (laughs) And then the next couple of days we really talk about what does it mean to teach, um, to be a teacher in Ames from more of a teaching and learning perspective. So what supports do you have? Um, What resources do you have in terms of curriculum? Um, What what does technology in the district look like? Some um, new teachers or teachers from other districts may have more or less experience with being one-to-one. So we talk about that a little bit, Um, but really it's a time for them to understand what does it mean to live out the Ames school's purpose priorities yeah well that's
0: really cool I yeah. I I love those days I love coming in just talking with everyone I always see the summer and really the start of a new school year as an opportunity okay we got a fresh start I mean and last year as you know <laughs> I mean you lived it you were in a building it was a challenging year mm-hmm. for everyone um, in education especially our teachers and so yes you know Unfortunately, we are still living in the pandemic and we're continuing to talk about the coronavirus and mitigation steps. But in, in some other ways, we had to pause a lot of things, uh, particularly in the um, curriculum office and teaching and learning. And so what are you looking forward to this year as maybe some of your big rocks that you want to try to start moving again?
1: Yeah. So I was, uh, as you said, a middle school principal. So I was lucky enough to be involved in some of the curriculum reviews that we started in the 2019-2020 school year um, that were paused because of COVID. And then um, because the teachers were um, so um, involved and it was a lot of heavy lifting yeah. to try to teach students online mm-hmm. um, exclusively and then even heavier when we were trying to teach in the hybrid model yeah. where students were online and in the, in the building and so um, I thought that the previous director of teaching and learning did a nice job saying, you know what, we're gonna take this off your plate, we're gonna pause these.
0: We needed to. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs>
1: reviews and so um, I'm in a um, lucky enough position where we're going to be able to pick those back up again okay um, so the ones that I were involved with was we did a 612 literacy review um, maybe some folks remember we had done uh, it sounds like a few different k5 reviews including like a reading units of study adoption um, um, when I wasn't in the office um, and now we're going to be able to pick up the the 612 side of literacy review so I'm um, excited about that we had a k-12 social studies review that we had just started Um, and so we're going to be able to pick up that and finish that as well and as you may know the state adopted new standards a few years ago and we're um, working on what does that mean to implement them yeah uh, the really great thing about that is they're gonna be taught through an inquiry model, so students are gonna get to a- ask questions, explore primary resources, primary text, so that means like, not just a textbook of somebody else's opinion about what happened, but actually looking at what did people write in that time period or yeah. in that place um, about these events and what conclusions can I draw from those. Um, the inquiry cycle often ends with taking action, so what does this mean now that you've studied this and, and what can we do with this now today? So those are really cool things I think with the social studies review that we're gonna dig into with the team. Okay,
0: so how long does a curriculum review last? Like, what, what, like from beginning to end, Like how long is that?
1: That's a great question. Each group is a different amount of time. Okay. So um, we uh, were actually just talking about this with our teaching and learning team this week. Yeah. Um, we kind of think about it in a few different phases. So if it's a team that has um, established standards, so like literacy, for example, yep. this, the last time the state revised the literacy standards, they made very small tweaks to them. So okay. that was, um, I think, 2015-ish. So it was a few years ago, and they were pretty small tweaks from the last time. Yeah. Um, and so the teachers know the standards really well. And so learning the standards or being refamiliarizing yourselves with that broader document doesn't take a real long time. Okay. When you have brand new social studies standards, it takes a while to figure out at each grade level, what is this saying, what's it asking of our students, yeah. what's it asking of our teachers, um, and then trying to figure out the shift, if there's a big shift in instruction, which in social studies it is, mm-hmm. um, really shifting to an inquiry model, um, then how how do we make those things happen and how do we get the teachers the support they need to do that? Yeah, um, We have phenomenal teachers who've already been digging into the inquiry model and and who have already been using that in some places. They they saw it and they were like, yes, I want to try this. And so um, I, I think it will be um, a thing that we are able to get a large portion of the social studies review accomplished this year. Um, As you know, uh, the reviews at the elementary, the elementary teachers teach it all. So at the secondary, it's the social studies teachers. They're going through it. They're learning. They're dedicated. This is what they do all day. And so um, definitely at the social studies level, I would imagine we would finish both the literacy and social studies reviews Mm -hmm. this year um, and be able to – Um, support them if they need new materials or or with some learning, whatever it is they need. Um, At the elementary, we try to be very intentional about not um, asking teachers to have to learn new sets of materials in multiple content areas in the same year. Um, And so we kind of stagger that and we work with the the social studies content team of teachers to get their voice in what's reasonable to implement, how should we stagger this. Um, So sometimes reviews can take a couple of years, I guess is the short. Or yeah, answer, no, and sometimes they can be done in a year, um, and so that's why sometimes you'll see that K five six twelve split yeah. because of what the teachers' yeah. responsibilities are, um, in how much they have to learn and plan.
0: So when we when we let's just take literacy as yeah. an example, it's starting with the standards, yes. which are set by the state. Yes, and then what's the end result? Is their end result general? Like, is it a Adoption, is that new materials, like, what's the end result?
1: yeah that's a great question hopefully the end result is increased student learning that's always oh, our thank goal you. yeah thank you. <laughs> um, to make sure that students are getting what they need mm-hmm. um, and then um, teachers get what they need to help support the students okay. um, so we we start with a also a program review especially in a case where standards haven't changed very much mm-hmm. so what um, standards are our students achieving well already and which ones might we need more attention to so that's a gap analysis right
0: okay. um,
1: and that we do both at the the big, broad-picture level, but then we also drill down into um, grade levels and different demographic groups. Are we serving some students? Um, are some students having different outcomes than other students? Mm-hmm. And what do we need to change as a system in order to make sure that all of our students are achieving at high levels? Um, and so that's a part of our um, equity work, that, and that's how it kind of overlaps into the, the curriculum review yeah. Um we need to think about culturally responsive um, teaching strategies and culture, if you're talking about literacy, culturally yep. responsive texts, texts that are both um, windows and doors. Um, some people talk about mirror texts, um, okay. so those sorts of things. So, yes, it, it may include uh, materials adoption. Um, it may include learning for teachers. It may include um, looking at student outcomes yep. um, and how what we might need to do differently. To and then what's
0: them. the... Well, you know, I have two questions now. So last year it got thrown off, but then eventually this gets on a cycle. And what's that cycle look like? And then in between, so we have the start and end, and then I gathered there's a a middle years likely, and then Mm -hmm. you start that cycle over again. What's that cycle look like, and then how do you, how are teachers supported in between there? And let's just take literacy again for an example. Yeah,
1: so there's, um, when we're in a, a more intensive review and they need um, extra time, uh, so when we're talking about resources, we th- can think about time as a resource mm-hmm. that we can fund um, either paying teachers like for learning over the summer or, okay. or in the evenings off contract time, um, or doing some substitute teacher pay so that we can have teachers come to meetings um, while they're on contract, yeah. um, so time is a resource, um, f- money's a resource, uh, getting materials for them is a resource, right? yeah. all of those things. Um, and so when we're thinking about the cycle, um, one, th- when, when it's resource heavy, it's really supported by the district office. So the director okay. of teaching and learning and our coordinators, mm-hmm. um, and then we move into implementation, right? So now we got to try the things. So we got all these new things, maybe new ideas yeah. about teaching, new, um, resources. We got to try it and see how it goes. Yeah. So some, um, Times you'll see what you, especially in standardized assessment data, if you do a program overhaul, sometimes you'll see a little, they call it an implementation dip, where your um, scores, your data might drop a little bit because okay. we have a little bit of a learning curve with yeah. the new materials. Um, and then usually the idea is that it'll go back up um, and surpass where you were, right? Sure. That the new things that we're learning are going to do a better job for students than maybe the things we had yeah. before. So it's really important to watch the data, right? Because if it doesn't, um, um, if, it can, if, it, if it doesn't serve our students better than what we had before, the question is why? Um, and do we need to make changes, right? We don't want to say uh, we're so tight to, like, I think sometimes people think about curriculum in seven-year cycles, right, yeah. or some number that works. Um, but if things aren't going well and, and things are really not going well, you don't want to wait seven years to say, All oh, right. I'm sorry. I know that yep. things aren't going well in literacy, but we got to wait seven years because that's what it says on the paper. So yeah. I think the cycle is a little fluid. And then you have interruptions, right? Um, so COVID was an interruption to a the cycle. Um, sometimes the state releases new standards unexpectedly. And so then you have an interruption. And so you're okay. like, well, social studies, we were doing pretty well. Everything was going pretty well. But, oh, we have these new standards. So we need to shift the cycle right so the cycle is kind of fluid yeah. depending on student need is my my dream is that that's our primary driver of when we review things how and why. Yeah. Um, sometimes external factors like the state, Where pandemics affect when we review things Um, but generally you can think about it um, as maybe a year or two of heavy um, district level work and then you have a couple years where you're implementing and then a couple years if things are going well where you're really focusing on refining um, as you gear up for the next layer of review.
0: So each one of these feels like a really heavy lift to me. I'm guessing that's probably another reason why they're kind of on a, a yeah, cycle. Yeah.
1: The, so really, uh, some of it honestly does come down to money, right? Yeah. Um, you, We don't have the ability as a system to sustain every teacher on the district um, in every content area to be able to to do that. And yeah. then also materials are expensive. Yeah. Um, and while we are very um, lucky, I think, in Ames to have mm. a, a good – um, sense of fiscal responsibility, yep. and we're able to buy some things. We still aren't going to be able to buy um, K-12 new materials every year for everybody. So Correct. there is some sense of staggering yeah. because of that. Too. Well, that's
0: smart. I yeah. mean, it's smart as well. <laughs> so I heard you say looking at data mm-hmm. a number of times in the last couple of minutes. What does that, what does that mean? And I'm going to encourage you to... <laughs> look beyond some acronyms. Like what, what does that mean for like our parents? Like what data are we, are we going to look at yeah. um, over the next, not just this next year, but you know, you wanna see multi-year data sets. And so what are some of those that we're gonna be looking at?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So some of it is standardized assessments, which okay. is what I'm assuming you meant with the acronym. So. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, there are so, <laughs> so many in education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So annual, every year the state requires us to do an assessment. Yeah. They now call it ISASP, mm-hmm. so the Iowa Assessment of Student Progress, and um, that is something that is supposed to be aligned to the state standards, mm-hmm. and we can look at to say holistically are students meeting the standards um, or not. And if they're not... Um, so we generally think in in um, terms of kind of if it's working for. Um, 80% or more, then we we probably maybe need to make some tweaks, but we don't need a whole overhaul. Sure. If it's under 80%, we're starting to think about, um, gosh, this isn't feasible to, yeah. to just make small tweaks, we need to make some big changes. Yep. Um, and so that's that's one of the data pieces we look at. We also look at um, students who are, um, like, for example, accessing, if you're at the high school, um, higher level courses, AP courses, um, and DMAC courses, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. So if students are accessing those maybe at different rates or they're not being successful in those courses, that's also another th- a question to ask, right? Yep. Why aren't they being successful? Um, and I don't mean to paint that as a, a high school problem. I know I said the word high school, but, um, all of our students w- from the time they enter Northwood or whenever they join our system all the way up, that's, we're building each year on yeah. those skills. So we need to look back and say, where, what skills aren't we building well and why? Yeah. And for for um, which students? Yeah. Um, and so we want to really dig deep into the groups because sometimes it looks like, okay, yeah, 80% of our kids, but maybe this one specific group isn't um, being successful oh, right. and why? What have we not done as yeah. a system? It's not about the student, we're not serving them well. Yeah. well well,
0: so, we identified that a couple yeah. years ago through the through equity audits yep. you know looking at the high school and middle school and I appreciate you bringing it up because you know we could look at this the state assessment as one piece of data mm-hmm. but that does not paint the entire picture right. of what's happening in a district right and access to course is another one but that's yep. a very um, system and structural one that we literally have a hundred percent responsibility for yeah absolutely. you know and yep. so that's that's um Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you bring yeah. that up. Well, then how beyond like that example, how does equity play a role in curriculum? Yeah, so it
1: should really drive all of our decisions around curriculum, right? Right. Um, And so we want to think about um, who's benefiting from this curriculum, how and why, who decided these are the things that we want to have students know and be able to do, whose voices were represented and whose voices weren't. Um, Even when you're thinking about the standards. So the standards are required by the state, but if you read the standards, they say things like, um, you know, can summarize the text at the state level. You know, it doesn't say... What text? It doesn't say what the summary necessarily has to entail. Although there's some, um, you know, literacy experts who will tell you the good qualities of a summary. Um, there's a lot open to interpretation, both on uh, at the teacher level and then at the student level too, um, around what choices could we make? And then we know that um, uh, empowering students to have choice and voice in their own um, educational experiences really helps with engagement and helps students to see yeah. it as more relevant. And so how how can we build those things in in a way that uh, really reaches each student and honors their own um, background because they come in with lived experiences and they come in with lived knowledge and we need to honor that and figure out how to build on it so rather than um, being really prescriptive, everybody always must read this one text and that's the only text we're ever gonna read in this grade level at this content area (laughs) for the standard, um, we need to think more broadly than that. Um, And every teacher that I've talked to has done in our district is amazing about thinking about things like that. So um, that's one of the reasons I am so excited to be in this job is that I know that I'm I'm working with a team of teachers who are phenomenal um, in making sure our students are at the center of all of their decisions.
0: One of the things that continually um, I'm really just amazed by is, you know, an ability to not just look at one thing. You know, decision making is very nuanced. And so when I hear you describing, you know, that scenario, let's say, you know, we look at ISASP data. It's not just as simple as, well, let's buy these materials and then that will fix it. <laughs> It, That'd be great if it, that worked. Do you know? find
1: those? Let me know. Yeah, no, it's, well, I, I won't find them <laughs> no.
0: because it's not that simple. Yeah. It's, it's almost you have to take somewhat of a a, a qualitative approach mm-hmm. to get quantitative results and sometimes you know it's work over time Mm -hmm. it's just there's not simple answers to it all. (laughs) No
1: no a really great piece of curriculum review so um, I think the high school has done this multiple times but I I don't know if um, you remember but I used to teach English at the high school Um, so that's one of my backgrounds and we were thinking about redesigning some of our courses and this was gosh maybe 10 years ago now Um, and so we surveyed students and we said hey what would you like to learn about what'd you like to read about like give us some titles of books that you're interested in um and so i think that having student voice even at that even at the curriculum review level yeah um and then also i think um one of our department goals that we talked about was doing a better job um involving our community and our parents and saying hey what is it that um within the scope of these standards you know because there are some things we we are required to do um, but within this scope like what knowledge and experiences for students do you value, and how can we work together to make those things happen?
0: How can we get engagement? Yes. How yeah. can we just get students to just love coming to school every day? Yeah. It's, there's yeah. not an easy answer to it, but that's mm-hmm. that's the work. Mm-hmm. So, and we're getting close to our time here. Okay, I know. <laughs> talk to me about uh, universal tier because I've heard you talk about it before, and how that is, and needs to be a focus. For us moving into this year, you know, we have to rebound from the pandemic a little bit. So, what is universal? Tier. Yeah, so
1: if we're thinking about a um, multi tiered system of supports, yep. so um, that's uh, the MTSS, you might hear that acronym around. And so it just talks about, you know, what are all students um, experiencing in our schools? So that's what we call tier one, what everybody experiences. Um, and then if you think about it as a diamond, right? So the middle part of the diamond is tier one, this is what everybody's getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if students have already learned whatever, you know, that um, particular standard, what are they? What are we gonna do with those students for that time, like yeah. that experience? And so there's a, a, a smaller probably group in the diamond for yep. that. But on the flip side, if they haven't learned it yet, but 80% of the class is ready to move on, well, how are we gonna make sure that those students still get more experiences? Yeah. And then the very point of the diamond um, is even a smaller group of students that we call tier three, right? Um, mm. That are maybe even individual students. Um, that are either on either end of the spectrum. I really already have it. I'm solid or I'm not, I'm still need some more work. Yeah. Um, and so when we're thinking about the tiers, the diamond kind of is the the best shape in my mind to think yeah. about it.
0: And so then how how do we organize that? You know, Because we're in, um, we're looking at it from a district perspective yeah. and, and you are. So then how does that get into the classroom?
1: So a lot of that, those decisions are unique to each building in our okay. district. Um, so you think about the high school has, um, plus period the middle school has Wind time, yep. um, elementaries, they've, they've maybe called it different things in different buildings, AI time, mm-hmm. um, but time where, um, teachers and different staff members can work to provide those interventions or extensions. Um, our teachers do a great job even within the regular class period of saying, oh, yep, this group already has this. So we're going to read this other text and practice skill at the skill in this higher level yep. text potentially, or we need extra practice. So we're going to work on this. Um, and so they, they do a great job of differentiating within the regular but there are other times during our school days in our buildings where we have um, more targeted instruction yeah hmm
0: well Aaron Miller I want to thank you. I'm glad I was able to pull you out of maybe a, a meeting or two to be <laughs> yeah. able to do this. I know this is an incredibly busy time for you and your team and, and your office in teaching and learning. And so I just wanted to thank you for, for coming on. We could almost take any one of these topics that we hit on today. And, and make them bigger in a different podcast episode. And maybe we'll do that. Yeah, um, I'd love to come back. But I, I really appreciate you giving us you know sort of a heads up on, on what we're going to be able to look at over this next year when it comes to teaching and learning in our district. Absolutely. So, um, all right. Well, thank you again.
1: Thanks.